making an observation this morning, and that is you can't change your heart and God will not change your mind. But if you will change your thoughts, God will change your heart. It's so important for us to understand this this morning so that God can move in our lives. It actually begins with us working inside our doubts, working inside our unbelief, and the stuff that infects our brain the way and the way that we think, inside the condemnation we agree with and, and, and the scrapes and all that come out of our background. These are so important. It's important that we begin to work with thoughts in our minds. And it's a mystery how this happens, but it happens because then God, the Spirit of God, is able to get into our heart to access and begin that change. Change about how we really are and how we see our life. And this is, the, this is revelation knowledge this morning. When God reveals to us who He is in our life and who we are in Him. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the knowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. All of us this morning look for, uh, we, we're, we're looking for a whole lot, we look a whole lot better this morning, all of us look a whole lot better in Christ than we do outside of Christ. But for many of us, our mind is a battleground. And for some, our mind is a gatekeeper. So how we bring peace, how do we bring peace? How do we access God's spirit for our mind? So let's work through this story, the woman at the well, the story of the woman at the well, which this woman goes on an extraordinary journey of revelation with Jesus. A journey in which Jesus leads her to a place where she can receive revelation, revelation of peace of mind, revelation of wholeness, and how Jesus actually got her to that point where she could actually contemplate who he really is. So John chapter 4, verses 4 to 7 says, But he needed to go through Samaria. So he called to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, thus sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now it's midday. And midday in Samaria is the hottest part of the day. And you don't come out to draw water at the well at the hottest part of the day. Unless you're trying to do what? Avoid people, right? You're trying to avoid everyone who goes there in the morning and in the night. And so women went to the well to draw water when it was cool. So she's going there by herself because she's hoping not to meet anybody. So this tells us that she's probably ashamed. She is feeling marginalised in the community that she's living in. She is not feeling accepted. And she can't go there with the rest of the women, so she goes on her own. So inside her mind, there is a belief system about who she is because of her background. We find out later that she's had five husbands, and the one she's living with now is, some, uh, is not her husband. 
And this is not acceptable behaviour within her community. And she knows that it's not acceptable behaviour. So the story reveals that she has all these things that she feels ashamed about. And so she comes to the well at the hottest part of the day where there's nobody there and she can draw water. So we too have these experiences as we've moved through this life. It might be with our families, with our jobs. We've had times where we've felt marginalised or ridiculed by people. And we have been, there's been times where we've avoided facing those things. So we put ourselves in positions where we don't have to face them. We have these areas in our lives that often are subconscious. Eventually, but Jesus will position himself, like he did with this woman at the well, to ask some questions to get us to look at who we really are. And that's what Jesus was about to do with this woman at the well. He was about to enter into a conversation where he was going to ask her questions and that's how revelation knowledge works this morning. It's always about beginning, it begins with the Holy Spirit asking us questions. It always begins with the Holy Spirit wanting us to become more self-aware and having a good hard look at what is really going on in our lives. Now the story continues in verse 8. But the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this, that living water? So here we find her first response to Jesus. What is it? Antagonistic, isn't it? Her first response to Jesus is one of an, in, an antagonism. Why are you being a Jew? Are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, uh, uh, to do something for you? That's what she's saying. She's not really open to Jesus at this point. She's quite antagonistic. She is drawing attention to the fact that there is a distance between the two of them. She is drawing attention to the fact that she can't figure out why he would even want to talk to her in the first place because she's a Samaritan. She's an outsider. So when God begins to put his finger on issues in our lives, we can be antagonistic towards him. When he turns up and he begins to confront us about areas of unbelief, we can be antagonistic to the work of the Holy Spirit because we don't see the issue as actually unbelief. We are convinced or we have convinced ourselves that the, 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 the thought process that we work with are justified and we give ourselves permission to get angry or we give ourselves permission to get abusive. We give ourselves permission to sulk and to carry around repulsive thoughts about other people. So when God begins to speak to us about these things, our first response isn't, well, praise the Lord. It's about, God's about to set me free. That's not our first response, is it? Our first response is generally, no, I don't want to talk about that, God. I'm doing okay. Just being who I am. I'm allowed to be like this. And so we can find this, this antagonism lurking within our own hearts and our own minds. 
And when the Lord begins to talk to us about our fears, our fears of failure, our fears of rejection, it isn't our problem. It's those other people's problem, isn't it? If they would only behave differently, then I wouldn't respond that way. If only those people would change, I wouldn't have to change. So the Holy Spirit turns up and begins to want to have this conversation with us. Now, interestingly, Jesus offers her insight where he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Now, she's changed her response to Jesus. Okay, if you notice, she says to him, sir. Notice he's no longer a Jew and she's no longer a Samaritan. Her acceptance of Jesus has gone up a level now. So what happens is that when the Holy Spirit comes uh, into our life to discuss a problem, and even though we are antagonistic, he still presses in to begin to give us insight into our problem. So we start to open up and say, well, maybe there's something here for me to take a look at. And so we have to learn to get past our antagonism this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us about things that are in our hearts, things that are in our lives. Those times when we're under pressure, feeling condemnation, those feelings when we're under pressure and you and I are responding and reacting. The question is, are you prepared to actually own the fact that God wants you to change? That you are under pressure, that, that when you are under pressure, it is really who you are. Because behaviour is always an echo this morning of belief. In other words, your behaviour is telling you something about what you believe. And nobody can make you angry. The fact is you choose to be angry. And that is the other issues go back to that belief system somewhere in your life. Those issues go back to that belief system somewhere in your life. And as you begin to allow the Lord to speak to you and to speak into your life, your admiration for where he may be, starts to take and begin to lift. John chapter 4, verse 11, picking up verse 11, says, Where then do you get that living water? So she asks a question. As soon as you start to ask questions of Jesus, you are on the road to revelation because you're inviting the helper in. You're inviting the comforter in. And this is the place where Jesus wants you, the place of asking questions. Lord, why is it that I'm afraid? Lord, why is it that when I'm under pressure, I react like this? What is it about me that goes there, Lord? How do I find myself caught in these situations? So she starts to ask questions. Where then do you get that living water? And right here, Jesus begins to draw her in because she is actually wanting to know something rather than be antagonistic. Let's pick it up in verse 12. Are, there, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will come in him a fountain, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. She's beginning to inquire of the Lord. She is still having some, she's still got some prejudice. She's still got some, some bias. 
She is still ill-informed about how it is that she is actually, who is she speaking to? And we can be like that sometimes. We can be biased and we can be ill-informed about who God really is and what he is thinking about us. Albeit, we need to start a conversation with him. He doesn't mind where we begin. He's more mindful of where it ends up. But the whole process starts with a conversation this morning. And as she asks questions, Jesus begins to give her his attention. You will find that if you are prepared to ask the Lord questions, he will give you his attention and begin to help you. There's a great chapter, a great verse, sorry, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honour of kings to search out the matter. Inquiry will always lead you to discover something that God wants, you, wants to show you. God cannot resist answering your questions because he wants to help you. Inquiry will always bring the spirit of Jesus into the picture. It's a matter of asking the Lord, Lord, I, I don't know what it is about me. What's actually happening inside of me, Lord? So Jesus wanted to help this woman at the well. Jesus wanted to set her free. He wanted to help. He wants to help us as well. He wants to see us whole. But it's all about our honesty and questions we ask this morning. So let's pick up verse nine, from verse 19 and it says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she has gone from, she's gone up another level of respect now. She has gone from antagonism to sir. And now she says, I think you might actually be a spiritual person. A few moments ago, I thought you were just another Jew that hated my guts. But as you are talking with me, I've changed my mind. She says, I perceive that you were a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you, Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither enter, neither you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You your worship, you worship what you know, what you don't know, sorry. And we know what we worship. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming. And now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Jesus is responding to her and drawing her to a place where she is reacting in her own understanding of spiritual things. She says, I perceive that you are a prophet and I know the Messiah is coming. Interestingly, revelation will always challenge your religious beliefs. Revelation in God's word will always challenge your religious beliefs. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform yourself to the standards of this world. But let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to Him and is perfect. Listen to me this morning, beloved. If your mind needs to be renewed, it's because you believe certain things for a reason. So some of those reasons may be wrong. 
But you don't realize they're wrong. Because if you realize that they were wrong, you would change them. Because that is the sort of person that you are. You would change them. You, you are not deliberately disobedient. But you have just created these thoughts about yourself. And I have created thoughts about myself that God doesn't agree with. And we don't realize that God doesn't agree with them. Now, the woman in our story actually articulates the reason for that, what she believes. She said, our fathers worship on this mountain. This woman is still inquiring, but she is stumbling through this conversation, challenging her ideas about what it is to be a worshipper. Jesus speaks to her and challenges her ideas in what it is to be a worshipper. And he says, true worship in spirit and truth. He talks about true worship in spirit and truth that is not actually about a location. It's not actually about a geographic location. It's about who you are on the inside. That's what, he, that's what Jesus is telling this woman. Who are you on the inside? And as she listens to Jesus, she shifts again. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. Why would she say that? This conversation started about getting a drink of water. Now it's evolved into becoming Messiah. All this has happened in a very, very short space of time. So revelation knowledge is like this. God takes a long time to act suddenly. This woman has clearly been on a journey before this meeting. And God has set her up for this moment in the meeting of Jesus. So what we need to understand is that there is, there's, there's a process involved. And God is in the process. The woman in our text has got to a point now where the revelation is actually being fueled by the process. She is starting to acknowledge that there is a Messiah. And at that point, Jesus drops the bombshell on her, doesn't he? And he says, I am the Messiah. Now, she is really confronted with the truth at this point. And she needs to figure out what she is going to do with that. So let's read from verse 29. What she does is at least she entertains the possibility of it being true. And she says, come. See, a man who told me everything I ever did, could he be the Christ? Could he be the Messiah? When we are discouraged, when we are frustrated, when we are depressed, we are agreeing with thoughts that are not coming from heaven. They are thoughts that are either coming out of our own fractured belief systems or they are coming from the enemy of our soul. And we have started to agree with them. And we actually need a place where we confess these things. James 5.16 says, So then confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. The prayer of a good person has a powerful effect. And as we begin to lay it out, we are actually inviting God in because what, we, what, what, what you and I are saying is, I'm going to trust another person to come into something that is the deepest part of my world where there is unbelief and where there is doubt. Where, when I'm under pressure, I know I go to the wrong place and I'm not relying on my divine comforter, I'm not relying on the Holy Spirit. So this process of revelation that this woman went through, we can actually learn lessons that help us on our own journeys in the 21st century. So if you're looking 
to God for revelation, a revelation of love to deal with your fear, a revelation of his provision around your unbelief. Wherever that revelation is, it begins by feeling antagonistic and then God begins to speak to you to get you to open up to it. And you begin to ask questions. The questions fuel the process. Then, it, then, then it's acknowledging that you need to bring other people into the process and allow them to be part of that process. It's acknowledging that God wants you to seek the matter out. Like I said in Proverbs 25 verse 2, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honour of kings to search it out, search out the matter, or search out a matter. It's a journey of discovery this morning because God wants to bring this information into your life. So as we close, let's pick up the final part, pick it up in verse 39. It says, And then many of the Samaritans of, this, of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two days. Many more believed because of his own word. Then he said to the woman, now we believe, not because, now they said to the woman, not, we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and, he, and we know that this is indeed the, the Christ, the Saviour of the world. Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. It is incredible to me that the testimony about her encounter, the testimony about her experience, the testimony about her vulnerability, actually led a whole lot of other people to a place of revelation. So my big takeaway from this story is that my testimony and your testimony that it may be that, 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 that your encounter and my encounter with God that your encounter and my encounter with, 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 with our, our vulnerability and our willingness to talk it out our willingness to share it can, can possibly lead a whole lot of other people to that same place. So this is an incredible thing about revelation knowledge. That's why, G, that's why as Christ followers this morning, uh, we, we, we need to, to, to this, this in our lives. Because you can't take people where you've never been before. And what I've discovered is that when I'm speaking from my encounter with God, human need is exchanged. And life changes happen. Being in a place of intimacy, following the first commandment, living as a son and a daughter, before living out of involvement into other human relationships is key. So in our text, it's the revelation of her encounter. It's the vulnerability of her talking about what God has done in her that draws all these other people into an experience with the Son of God. Her testimony was based on revelation, and revelation always carries faith, revelation always carries life change. I close, and it's my prayer, and it's my hope that you would have an encounter and a moment of revelation. And so, what questions are you asking God now? What questions are you asking God? I pray that this message has raised many questions for you. And I pray that you begin by opening up a dialogue with God about questions that you have in your life. Please pray with me. 
Lord, you are the living water that my soul needs. May I meet you in the heat of the day, in the trial of life, and in my shame and in my guilt. May I encounter your love, gentleness and acceptance in these moments and may the love become the source of my new life in you. And Jesus, I thank you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.